This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 94, from a backyard hobby to a seven-figure business. Five, six, seven, eight. Hi there, and welcome to session number 94 of the Dancepreneuring Studio. I am so excited that you're here with me, as always, talking about two of my favorite things, dance and business. My name is Annette Bone, and this podcast is the place where dance inspires life and business. Not only do I get the privilege of sharing my story back into the dance world and the lessons I've learned that apply to dance, life, business, productivity, and everything, so exciting how everything just meshes so well together, but I also get to share some amazing, incredible interviews with creatives that are entrepreneurial and are associated with the dance world. And this week, oh my, I get to bring you the superstar entrepreneur, Stacey Tushel, who is an international number one bestselling author. She's an in-demand speaker. She's an entrepreneur, a coach, a consultant. She is super entrepreneur. (laughs) And I am so excited to share her story because she took her passion, her hobby of dance that she actually started late, like I did. And she turned it from her parents' backyard teaching dance classes in her parents' backyard to a seven-figure business that is still thriving and successful today. It is such an incredible story. Some of the valuable information that Stacy shares includes why she even started this hobby that turned into a business, the three top tips that she gives for starting a dance studio or any type of business. And lastly, the importance of not being the smartest person in the room. I hope you enjoy this. Hi, this is Stacey Tushel. I'm a number one international best-selling author and entrepreneur, and you're listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with a Netbone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. What started as a hobby has become a seven-figure business with two locations. My next incredible guest did this by giving dance lessons in her parents' backyard, which then grew into these two locations that are successful and thriving today. She is a business coach, a podcaster, a best-selling author. She's a speaker, a wife, and a mom of two young, adorable girls. And she's on a mission to help women entrepreneurs to greater business success. I want to give a warm welcome and warm also literally because it's Southern California. It's always warm here. So I'd like to welcome Stacey Tushel to the podcast. Stacey, how are you? Hi, Annette. Thanks for having me on. And yes, when you say warm Southern California, I'm in Wisconsin. So please send it my way. <laughs> I, I know. I was thinking, oh my goodness, she's in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. But I know she's lived there for her whole life. So she's I used have. to it. I don't know if you're ever used to the cold. Um, you just kind of put up with it. You tolerate it. <laughs> But not too bad, I guess. Oh, that's good. Yeah. If it's not too bad, that's good. So I just am so excited to have you. And I could ask you a ton of questions. And I'm really excited to go back into your dance journey. I know you don't do much of it anymore. But I think it's so important that that's where you got your start. And it's fueled your current successful business today. So going back, um, when you had started this hobby that's turned into this successful business, you had given value first um, by just giving these dance lessons in your parents' backyard. And 
what was it that you think spurred one of those parents that said, you know, we got to start paying you for this? Were you even thinking, when am I going to charge for this? Or am I going to charge for this? Or do you think it was the fact that you were just giving the classes? First of all, do you think it was the way you structured the classes? Do you think, did you um, mentor these kids outside of your your lessons? What do you think it was? What, what do you want to say about that? And, and about that balance of giving value first before you start charging and that kind of thing is there a way that you approach that or do you teach that with your clients? Yeah. Well, great questions. And first, it just shows you how bad I was at business because I had, I never even thought about charging. It just, it wasn't something I was thinking about. For me, I started dance really, really late. My first dance class was when I was a sophomore in high school. So I'm talking really, really late, but I fell in love with it. And I just didn't want to give it up when I turned 18, graduated high school. So for me, I just thought this was a really selfish reason. It was just for me to continue to be able to dance. So I thought, okay, I'm going to just teach, um, a, you know, a team, a middle school team. We had 17 kids in my parents' backyard. I was really just doing it because I wanted to continue that dance experience. But because I loved it so much, and I feel like I'm one of those people that I either put everything into it or I just don't do it. And I put everything into these kids and I, I just, I loved it. And I think they loved it just as much. And we just had that connection. And I think these parents were looking at me going, why is she doing this? This is crazy. And I, I was giving them so much that I think they just thought, how could we not be paying her? You know, how could we be going to another dance studio down the road and pay them, but not pay her for the same types of things that I was doing. So that's kind of how it started. But I really was not thinking I was going to be doing this as a business. I was going to school full time. I, I was going to get my business degree, actually get a regular nine to five job. I really thought this was just a hobby and probably just a hobby while I was in college. That's really interesting. And I love the fact that about what you said about pouring everything into what you were doing. And I think that's so important in whatever you decide to do for business, whether it's dance or something else. If you pour everything into it you're, and, it's, and you're passionate about it, you can't help but – people can't help but see the value in that, I think. If, mm-hmm. if, you're not, if your heart is not into something, it's very obvious. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> you know? And it's you – know, you can't expect people to give to you if you're not giving – your, you know, 110% into what you're doing. So um, I think that's great that you brought that up. And I just, you know, I'm imagining like these, you know, how big was your backyard? Your backyard? <laughs> like, where, what did you use? We, we like- did have a decent sized backyard, at least. Um, so that's good. It was it was a really spacious area. However, living in Wisconsin, we don't have nice green grass, you know, 20 or 12 months of the year. So we would really just use it in the warm months. But my, my parents' grass was completely destroyed. They could never use it for anything because we were, we would actually have these tracks where you could tell where people would stand. Um, <laughs> it, it was just, it was crazy. And they let us do it for three years. And that third year was when I decided, okay, this is a business. Let's move forward. And then we started renting a space. But yeah, we were there for three, Three, um, I should say spring, summer, fall. And then when it got really cold, one of the dancers had, um, their church donated their church basement because they even saw the value and what we were doing for the community. And they wanted to help me do that with these kids. Wow, that's awesome. There's always resources. There that's are. what I always think is like, there's always resources, things are figure outable. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing why and what I think the how and the resources that you need, they, they just, they come, I I hate to like generalize it that way. But 
it's amazing what happens when you you have a vision and you put things and you start things rolling and then things work out. Right. You know, maybe not the way you think they they do or th- things are unexpected. But I love hearing about processes of what entrepreneurs go through and how they get to where they are. And um, your grandparents, from what I understand, were entrepreneurial. And mm-hmm. you also got support, obviously, from your parents using their backyard. Now, how about someone that isn't from that background, background who isn't familiar with uh, the entrepreneurial lifestyle, or who has family or people close to them that don't support them, don't encourage yeah. them? How would you advise someone like that? Yeah, and I would say for me, yes, because I came from an entrepreneurial family, it wasn't something where they were very open to the idea. I mean, in fact, my dad was one of the people to say, yeah, I think you should be doing this. So yes, they were supportive that way, but it wasn't like they came from the dance studio world. We actually have a construction business, so it has nothing to do with what I'm doing. So it wasn't like they were able to give me all of this knowledge specifically in this industry, but yes, they were super, super supportive. So what I would say to somebody who, you know, this is just doesn't come from that world. Their family isn't supportive. You need to surround yourself with people that are doing this because when you are with friends and family that all work nine to five jobs, they think this is a horrible idea. They're going to put those thoughts and ideas in your mind. And you need to get around people who are already entrepreneurs telling you it's so easy. It's so amazing. You need to be doing this. And that's what's going to give you that, that courage and that support. So I'm a big believer in getting in. Um, mastermind groups, Facebook groups. There's just so many things out there that you could be involved in to have that community. That is so true. There are no shortage of resources, yours being one of them, which I'll definitely link in the show notes. And I love that you talk about mindset and treating your business like a business when you went from hobby to business and then things just started completely taking off. What would you give um, in terms of like, let's say three top tips if someone wants to start a dance studio or dance business or any other business? Well, I would say I would really kind of bootstrap it like I did because here's the thing when you have this business idea, we all think they're going to be, this is the best idea and we just start shoving money into it, right? Money we have saved, maybe money we don't have saved and now we're putting it on credit cards and things like that. And the worst part is, you might do all of that and then this might be completely just the worst idea and it, and nobody might want it, right? So you don't want to go into this with just throwing money at it and then realizing you're in over your head. So I love the bootstrap method. I mean, I really, I feel like I'm always doing that when I'm starting something new. I just start small and gradually working there to figure out, does anybody really want this? Is somebody going to pay me for this? So I don't think there's anything wrong with and not that you couldn't find a very low, um, low cost lease somewhere, but don't go sign a five year lease. You know, don't go put your name on something that is going to commit you for the long haul. So I always, I, I can tell you right now, landlords are always willing to work with you, especially when there is an empty building that's been sitting there for a long time. So I would try to find something like that or even find a place that could have a room for rent for you just so that you can kind of test the waters and see if there's really a need for it. So that would be number one. Is there a need? Um, number two is you have to have this marketing plan, marketing strategy in place. You always need to be bringing in new people every single month. And that's something that people, I think they just think, oh, we're going to sign these people up and they're going to stay. Okay. Well, yes, ideally it would be nice if they all stayed, but there are going to be people that drop. So you're constantly needing to get more and more people into your, your studio. So you need to have some sort of marketing plan in place. 
right now, I mean, yes, we're over a decade in, but we do have a 12 month marketing strategy. So it's something that you'll want to start leaning towards and, and really kind of heading in that direction. Maybe you just start with a 90 day forecast of what you could do in the next 90 days, and then you'll just keep growing from there. So I would say that would be number two. Um, number three is valuing the people you have when they start signing up. Because if you're so focused on new people, new people, new people, you start to lose the current people. And I always, I love using this um, analogy of a bathtub. So, you know, figure, pic- picture the water coming in. Those are all these new customers and there's water in the bathtub. You don't want your drain open. And unfortunately, a lot of us are too busy to realize that the drain is open and customers are leaving because we're just so focused on new, 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 more, more, more. And you want to make sure that you're really focusing on your current people to make them happy because they're so much easier to keep happy and to keep that revenue coming in than it is to get new people and new and new money coming in. So I would say those three things together, I mean, I know those are big things, but those three things together are really as simple as this is. I really like that. I totally agree with you about servicing and caring for the current customers that you have. I've I've seen a lot of businesses, dance-related and not, that they are so focused on getting just the new people and then they, they don't have a follow-up process. Yes. And uh, so, and also one thing that stood out to me on one of your other interviews uh, with, um, and on, this is on the other side with your team, with your employees and contractors and such about the popsicle sticks and how you go yeah. through the popsicle sticks. I thought that was great. And you know, there that your, your team is top of mind and you see still you, how you can add value to them. And these are people that, that uh, work with you and that you are conscientious and intentional about connecting with them. And I love, I love what you said something about, well, I don't know if I have this, um, co- this thing in common with this 18 year old hip hop teacher that totally right. made me laugh. But, um, I, and I loved for me just, um, hearing how you're not in your business, you're not in the, the, the two successful locations that you have, but you're working on your business. You're the, you're the creative, um, strategist you are the you oversee you you cast the vision and i love all of that and i think a lot of entrepreneurs want to get to that point and i think a lot of entrepreneurs and myself included you're kind of in like the the uh, and it i think it's a phase you have to go through you went through it yourself building mm-hmm. these businesses and you're kind of in it and then you want to be in it but not like working in it if that makes right. sense yeah absolutely <laughs> so now with your family dynamics um you had the business before you got married, the bit, you know, where you are, how did you transition your married and family life into everything working together? Well, the good thing is I was with my husband. We were dating at the time I opened the studio. So he's been around for everything, which is probably a good thing because he's really, he's seen, you know, where we've come from, where we're going. And it really has been a, a team. And I don't know what the dynamic would have been like if he would have come in in the middle of it, you know? So it has been really great that he has been here this entire time and he is incredibly supportive. He's not in the business at all. He has his own job. Um, but it's just, it works for us and we both have things that we're really passionate about. Um, now the good thing for me was with children, um, my oldest is three and a half and my youngest is a year old. So my business had been running for quite some time when I started to have children. So I was able to set up the business to make sure that I had the lifestyle I wanted to live with them. So I have that flexibility to, um, you know, go to preschool field trips and take her to dance class and, and be there for those like really special moments and things like that. So that's just something I've really been intentional on when I'm building my calendar. 
That's great. I think that's so important. I love that you focus on women entrepreneurs to to get that balance. Mm-hmm. Have you found a common struggle with that with the people that you've coached and consulted with? What is the common theme that they seem to be struggling with? Well, I think a lot of them are trying to do both at the same time. So for me, and everybody has their own philosophy on this and what you should do, and I really think it's a personal um, personal preference and you have to figure out what's the right fit for you. So for me, I, you, you can't watch the kids at home while you're trying to work. And that's what people are doing. So I don't care if you need to have dad watch them for a couple hours or take them to grandma's house during the day or get a babysitter or something like that, because you've got to figure out a way for you to be truly present in your business working on it without the kids around so that when the kids are around, you can completely put your work away and be present with them. So by, for me, separating those two things, I am a better business owner and I'm a much better mother. And I, I really see a lot of people struggling because they're doing both at the same time always. So they're just exhausted. Oh, I hear you on that because I have a 10 year old and I have, if I'm working on business stuff, I have to go work remotely. I just mm-hmm. can't, I cannot. Absolutely. Like go to Starbucks or something. You've got to yeah. get out of the house. You can't, you can't be there with them. Oh, no, no, I totally agree with you on that. Now, I really liked what you said. And I, oh, I could not c- agree with you more on another interview you had talked about the importance of not being the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. and what you can learn. And I feel that way completely. And I and I practice it with the dance classes that I'm taking. I am with dancers that are professional dancers. I'm with dancers that are half my age that might have better extensions than I do. Mm-hmm. But I learn so much by not being the best one and sometimes even the worst one. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I just I really agree with that. Did that naturally come to you? Like, you know, I just need to be around people that know more than me. What would you say about that? And, and uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. And I don't think it is natural because I think we like to be the center of attention, the star student. We love that recognition. So I think we're very comfortable there for a really, really long time. But for me, when I realized, okay, I've got to get out of this specific situation because I feel like I am the star student. It was because I wasn't, I wasn't feeling challenged. I wasn't feeling motivated anymore. I really felt like I was plateauing. And for me, that happens a lot. It wasn't like one situation. It happens as I'm growing because you'll, you'll join a group. You'll join, like, let's say you're in a mastermind or you're in um, a group coaching program and you're doing something. All of a sudden you might realize, okay, I'm, I'm at the top here. I have the most successful business. I'm doing more than other people. They ha- I have a bigger team. There's just a lot more things that you could be teaching people than you can really be learning from them. So when that happens and when you notice that you're in that room, that's when it's time to really up level and step out of your comfort zone and do something where you know you're at that next level and you're probably going to be at the bottom, but that's the best place to be because you will grow more than anybody in that room. I agree. I totally agree with that. Now we're going to go over to, we're going to go back into your dance days. So this will be interesting to see (laughs) what you recollect from this. I call this the dance printering quick step and there are three questions and you just have to say what's, what comes to mind. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So dance style you haven't tried but would like to Mm, and why yeah so for me I really did try I feel like pretty much like a lot of them because I was so intrigued so I I was taking a little bit here a little bit there but for me I think my biggest regret is I just wish I would have found it earlier I wish I was taking more of them not so much other styles if that makes sense Um, because I might have tried tap tap was definitely my least amount that I've ever done specifically so yes, I, I did tap, but I didn't do it very long. And I wish I would have 
found it faster and found it sooner because I did it so late. And if you, if you have been in a studio, own a studio, you get this. I was that high school kid coming in who I was a newbie, but I can't be put with five-year-olds, right? So where do you put me? But I was, um, I definitely just had that natural ability where I was a little bit more athletic. I had rhythm. People wanted to help me get in these other bigger, like larger classes, but it was hard because I wasn't the best person in the room. I, I was definitely, you know, at the bottom, but that's why I think I was growing so quickly because I had to step it up and get to where these other high schoolers were when I had no previous dance experience. So I think, you know, that now that I'm saying that story, it probably has really helped me in life because I've always been kind of trying to catch up and keep up mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. And that's just been such a great skill because it keeps making me get better and better and better. Wow. I love that. I love that you've taken that perspective, something that someone could say, well, well, I started late, you know, like in anything, whether it's dance or something, mm -hmm. oh, I, you know, I'm too old, I'm too young, whatever. That excuse is gone. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. you know. Who is your favorite dancer or choreographer and why? Or who was, you know, when yeah. you were in in the uh, trenches of it? Who who would so, that have been? I would say right now at this stage in my life, my favorite dancer right now, and this is going to sound so corny, but my little three and a half year old just started dancing this Aww. year. And it is the <laughs> cutest thing I have ever seen. It's one of those, you, you finally understand as a dance studio owner, why that mom always thinks, oh, my kid's amazing. I, I know, I know, um, I'm, I'm not just saying this, but, you know, I, you just feel like that passion come out. And it's so fun to watch her and see her do something. Um, and who, who knows, maybe dance will be her thing. Maybe it won't. But I'm just letting her find that journey herself and figure out if this is something that she loves to do. Um, and one of the things that we do together, because she does love it so much, is we watch Dancing with the Stars, so you think you can dance. And it's so fun to be able to do that together because yes. obviously I'm not in the classroom with her. I'm not her dance teacher or anything like that. So it's fun to watch. And we love um, Mandy Moore on So You Think You Can Dance. Whenever she choreographs a dance, it's usually one of our favorites. So oh, yes. it's just it's so fun to be at a different stage of dance. But know that even though I'm now in my 30s, it hasn't gone away. No, it hasn't. And um, that's what I love about dance, too, is that it's so accessible at whatever stage you're at, whether yeah. you've done it. And, you know, and like for me, I. I gave it up for 20 years and I got back into it three years ago and I started late like you at about 14 with oh, the technical wow, okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I totally related to that. I didn't good, know that you good, started good. late. So I did do hula when I was eight, but then um, I stopped and then I actually took my first ballet jazz class at 14 and, and I totally related to what you said about, yeah. well, where do I go? Because I can't really be with the five-year-olds, but I'm not advanced enough to be with the more, you know, advanced mm -hmm. class. But l that made me work harder. And then the right. fact that my parents couldn't afford classes, I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to take classes? So I worked at the studio in trade for classes. So um, it's always about figuring things out. If, if it doesn't look like it's going to work the way Absolutely. you want, you, you find ways to make it work. So I'm so glad you shared that. What is the dance style that describes your day currently and why? Hmm, I would say, I would say like modern dance because it's, it's just different, right? I mean, everything you, when every time you watch modern, there's something different or something surprising. And that's how my day is. No two days are alike. Um, they're definitely not anything similar to somebody working in a nine to five job. And there's surprises along the way. You know, you might think you're going to work on one thing today and something else <laughs> pops up and this is what you're doing. So for me, I would say that would be something that I would relate with it too. Oh, yes. I, I definitely relate to that. Too. <laughs> what, so, your, so your favorite style, what is your uh, favorite style of dance? Mine was always lyrical. I loved it. It was just, I think it's the storytelling in it. 
Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I just, it was always my favorite, even my favorite to watch. I just, I love it. I could sit there and watch Lyrical all day long. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is the whole meaning. There's so much yeah. storytelling in that. And yeah, I love, I could talk dance and business all the time, which is why I have this podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Stacy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, I am excited to share this episode and to link all of your in- incredible resources and information. So helpful. And um, if you guys want to check Stacy out, she is at stacytushel.com. She's all over social media. She has a free Facebook group and um, just amazing stuff. And she's been doing, uh, as you know, obvious, obviously, it's been amazing because she's <laughs> grown her business to seven figures. And so you can definitely learn from someone that has done that and has just been able to balance her family life and uh, working with different people and coaching and all that. So thank you, Stacy, again. Yeah, and that this was wonderful. Thank oh, you so, so much. I'm so happy. Thank you so much. Yet another example of someone who has made a profit from their passion. And there are many stories out there, and I hope to discover more. (laughs) So thank you again for joining me. If you found this podcast helpful or any of the other sessions helpful, I would love it if you could go to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That way I can continue improving it and also get you a shout out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I really look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.